What's happening, y'all? Welcome inside the Fantasy Stock Exchange. Danny and Bush coming at you today with some breakout candidates. It's early still. We got training camps opening up next week in the NFL, but we figured we'd bring you guys six breakout candidates for the 2022 NFL season. Of course, once we get late into August, we'll be bringing you tons more breakout candidates, but these are our preliminary guys, guys that we think can help you win fantasy leagues and break out for your fantasy rosters this year. So if at any point during this video, you guys feel like you got some value, hit the like button, comment who your biggest breakout candidate is this year down below and subscribe to the channel if you are new to the channel as well. So with that being said, Danny, how you doing? I'm doing well. And out of all those superlatives that we have, this is truly the the subsection that can make or break your fantasy league because ultimately here, everybody's going to get their studs at the top of the draft, but being able to weed out those mid rounds and spot guys that can not only beat their ADP, but downright smash the league is ultimately going to be your most advantageous position in fantasy. If you were able to spot Cooper Cup last year in the fourth round, you were most likely winning your league. He had about a 35% best ball win rate last year on his own. So being able to spot those players that can not only, again, beat their ADP, but ascend into the top 24 of ADP in the following year is going to be the most beneficial thing for you in your fantasy drafts. Yeah, and most of the guys that we're going to talk about, aside from one of them, are earlier round guys. They're guys going in the top six rounds or so. A couple of them are going in the top three rounds. So um, we're not necessarily saying that breakout candidates need to come from the late rounds and they need to be sleepers that you didn't expect. We can also quantify a breakout candidate as somebody who's being drafted as if they're going to break out, and then they eventually do for all the reasons that we're going to lay out. So um, again, before we get into it, if you guys enjoy content like this, subscribe to the channel, check out Patreon, check out Underdog Fantasy, our official sponsor. Use promo code FSE at sign up and first deposit for 100% back. If you guys want to know where these guys stack up in our rankings, our redraft rankings manifesto is now live and you can get access to that by using promo code FSE at sign up and first deposit on Underdog or using the Patreon. So with that being said, let's hit the intro. Okay, so the first guy that we're going to get into, and I talked about this guy last week in the league-winning running backs video, so I don't want to rehash all of those points, but instead bring up some new ones. Javante Williams, running back for the Denver Broncos, RB12 right now, ADP of 25 per underdog fantasy, so a 2-3 turn type of pick right now in drafts. Javante Williams last year, as a rookie, finishes RB22 in points per game, and he was sharing the backfield pretty much down the middle 50-50 with Melvin Gordon in 2021. And he was able to do this because he's a very talented running back. He was a top 35 pick in the 2021 draft RB one on many teams boards, including the Denver Broncos. And he was top eight in juke rate in yards created per touch last year as a rookie. Melvin Gordon was a free agent this offseason. A lot of people were, you know, screaming free Javante Williams. He's going to be a workhorse. I probably would have drafted him as a top five running back, top five overall pick in fantasy drafts had Melvin Gordon moved on in free agency. Unfortunately, Melvin Gordon is back with the Denver Broncos, but he was in free agency for 46 days. The Broncos were clearly okay letting him go if an, another offer came along that was going to take him away. He's back and he's going to factor into this backfield. I'm not going to deny that he's not going to be involved, but Russell Wilson is in town for this Denver Broncos offense. The 23rd ranked 
scoring offense in the league last year. Javante Williams was on his way to securing a full workload down the stretch on top of the fact that this offense should be much, much better. He ran more routes, as you guys can see on the screen, than Melvin Gordon each of the final six games, dominated the targets as well. So even if they split carries to some extent, there's going to be plenty more goal line looks to go around with Russell Wilson now playing quarterback, and Javante should have the pass-catching work on lock. So I'm not expecting Javante Williams to be a 95-opportunity share type of running back like some people think that when I say I like Javante Williams, think I'm saying. What I'm saying is that even on a 65%, 70% opportunity share, the offense getting a lot better, the fact that Javante's a second-year player, and the fact that he's going to get the valuable work, the receiving work in this offense, is why I love Javante Williams to break out this year. Yeah, and I mean, you outlined the the whole bull case in the what makes a league-winning running back, which, by the way, if you guys haven't already watched, watch Bush's solo over there. But with Javante Williams, I mean, the case is simple. You do not draft running backs or floor. Yes, Javante Williams' floor, given that split with Melvin Gordon, is probably lower than you know some of the top-end running backs picked in that range. However, again, if you're picking a running back, you need him to have the opportunity to finish in the top five, and Javante Williams has every opportunity to be able to do so, be able to be that league-winning asset that can push your team over the top, and getting access to that at the early third round, uh, currently on underdog fantasy, absolutely stealing that all day. Yeah, and I, I have him ranked as a top 15 player in, in yeah. fantasy drafts this year because of that ceiling factor. And I don't think his floor is that low. He was RB 22 in points per game last year in a split backfield in a bad offense. Even if he has the exact same split backfield, which I don't think is going to happen, I think he'd go up at least marginally from what he had last year. You have a guy that is probably a top 15, top 18 running back in points per game as his floor, which is kind of how I felt about Antonio Gibson last year. But the difference being that Antonio Gibson doesn't play in an offense led by Russell Wilson. And I also think Javante Williams showed more from a talent perspective than Gibson showed as a rookie as well. So yeah, I'm all the way in on, on uh, Javante Williams. If you have an early pick, if you can get Christian McCaffrey, Javante Williams at the one uh, at, at the top of your draft and then turn around at the end of the second round and get Javante and pair him with another receiver in the third. Awesome start to draft. Yeah, like T. Higgins, A.J. Brown, one of those wide receivers, the early third round portion. Like that could be a league winning level start. But either way, we both love Javante Williams. That's uh, running back going into his second year, primed for an ascension. Let's go into the next running back, primed for an ascension that oddly enough was in that same draft class last year with Javante Williams. Was the second running back selected with Travis Etienne currently going off the board as the ADP running back 16, 35.6 overall via underdog fantasy? Again, this is the sharpest ADP out there in more home casual leagues. This could probably be more so a fourth round pick. From watching this channel, you'll know our evaluation on running backs is not if they can be the RB7, if they can be the RB9 in points per game and beat their ADP. We are looking for guys that can flat out go out and win your leagues. And Travis Etienne's case to win your league is pretty simple. It is the DeAndre Swift case from last year. Oddly enough, DeAndre Swift was a third, fourth round pick last year. Travis Etienne is representing that exact same ADP. And when we're looking at Travis Etienne last year, he had a wash of rookie season. He had that list Frank injury in the preseason. He missed the whole rookie season. Obviously, we all know the turmoil that happened with that Urban Meyer-led Jacksonville Jaguars team. They're moving on to Doug Peterson this offseason. And by all accounts, Travis Etienne's recovery has been good. Obviously, you would have rehashed that with uh, Dr. Edwin Porras. But everything, every sign that we see right now points to the fact that Travis Etienne is entering this offseason healthy. And a talented former first-round pick now gets a full healthy offseason and is the healthiest running back in his backfield, obviously with James Robinson suffering that Week 16 torn Achilles last year. 
There is every opportunity in the world for Travis Etienne to be that lead back for the Jacksonville Jaguars. And you guys should be able to see a tweet on the screen. If you're worried or wondering in terms of what Travis Etienne's prospect status was, he is one of 12 running backs to earn a 90-plus grade on next-gen stats. And 100% of those running backs, every single other running back in that sample size, has a top 12 finish in fantasy football. So betting on a young 23-year-old running back, Prime to take that opportunity jump with that Jacksonville Jaguars team. I think the DeAndre Swift comp is 100% valid. And on a team in the Jacksonville Jaguars that doesn't really have a clear target hierarchy. Yeah, we're talking about they signed Christian Kirk. They have Marvin Jones, you know, LaVisca Chanel, Evan Ingram. There is no one wide receiver on that team that you can say is going to be the alpha. That is the more situational aspect. That makes me love Travis Etienne because he is an adept receiver. He is a running back in his final year in college that had over 40 receptions. If he's able to show that pass catching upside in conjunction with potential early down work with James Robinson missing the start of the year, I wouldn't be shocked if we're looking at a 20, 18 to 20 opportunity back with 70 to 90 targets in his range of outcomes. Yeah, and, and the other thing about Travis Etienne that's great is that he can create a lot on his own with the breakaway speed that he yes. has too. So uh, from a health perspective, Edwin wasn't really concerned with him. If you guys didn't watch that video, he wasn't overly concerned that he's going to get re-injured or or that injury is going to linger. It happened very early. He's had over a year to recover. He's already back on the field doing drills. He's going to be back on the field for training camp and preseason. So I'm not really concerned about ETN from a health perspective. The only concern that you can have is how bad is this Jaguars team going to be? But like you said with DeAndre Swift, that was the same concern we had about the Lions last year. And the lack of uh, solidified targets in that offense makes Travis Etienne very likely to have that 100-target upside that had DeAndre Swift, who was like a six-and-a-half target per game running back, as a top-eight guy before he got injured in Week 12. Yep, and again, we outline the running back dead zone every year. Oh, we shouldn't select a running back in this range because we're projecting, you know, situation as opposed to talent. Travis Etienne is the, the rarity this year. Travis Etienne is the bet that if you're going to take a running back in this range, he has that legitimate upside. Obviously, the floor is lower coming off that injury. You know, we haven't seen him do it before. But ultimately here, this is the archetype of running back where if I'm taking a running back high, this is the, the profile I'm looking towards. Yeah, if you're going to deviate in the dead zone, you want to go for young running backs that have a lot of upside. And Travis Etienne and probably Brees Hall are the only two examples this year in that area as sans J.K. Dobbins, assuming his health. Speaking of Baltimore Ravens, we have another guy on this team, Rashad Bateman. Wide receiver, 26 in ADP right now, 54 overall. So you ain't getting a discount on Rashad Bateman, but I guarantee in your home league drafts on Sleeper and you know uh, NFL Fantasy and Yahoo Fantasy, he's going to be a 7th, 8th round pick instead of the 5th round pick that he goes on underdog, as we always talk about the sharpest ADP in fantasy. Considering the circumstances last year, if Rashad Bateman did nothing as a rookie, I think we probably should have seen it coming, but he actually had a relatively impressive rookie season considering that he came uh, off of an injury uh, through the training camp and through the preseason halfway through the season where uh, OBJ had the same injury. It was a sports hernia a few years ago, and that caused OBJ to be terrible the entire season, and we kind of gave OBJ a pass for it. Rashad Bateman didn't need a pass. He was good as soon as he was on the field. He missed that crucial development time as a rookie wide receiver in training camp in the preseason early in the season. And that shit matters. The fact that he was still able to produce six, six, eight targets a game as soon as he was back on the field is very impressive. And this um, this graph from Sean Siegel's article last year, we made reference to it when we talked about guys like T. Higgins and Ayuk and Claypool, who we were high on last year. Wide receivers in their second year have the highest breakout rate of any season that you can look at 
for breakout wide receivers, second year wide receivers. There's a big jump that players take from year one to year two. And we're going to talk about it again in a second when we get to Elijah Moore. But once Rashad Bateman was on the field, six plus targets in seven out of the 12 games that he played, despite playing more than 70% of the snaps just four times throughout the entire season. So this was a part-time player getting full-time workload as far as the target share is concerned. And from an efficiency standpoint, Matt Harmon charted him in reception perception, 74th percentile against man coverage, 85th percentile against zone, 81st against press. And again, this was a guy coming off of an injury. He might even not have been fully recovered from that injury once he started playing games. And Matt Harmon describes him in reception perception as a guy that runs great routes over the middle. He ran a high route of slants and curls and digs during his reception perception um, sample and posted a strong success rate on those routes. And that's great for Lamar Jackson because Lamar Jackson is not a, you know, throw outside the numbers opposite hash on a, on a dime type of thrower. So over the middle throws is something that will be really, really valuable to a guy like him. He compares him to Keenan Allen and Justin Jefferson, the guys that uh, excel in those type of routes with Hollywood Brown gone. He's no longer on the team. They traded him to the Arizona Cardinals. We have a second year Rashad Bateman, fully healthy, full off season with Lamar Jackson, who's still a top 15 passer in the league, top 10, top five overall quarterback in the league in a high-scoring offense. I think Rashad Bateman, the, the fact that he's going like 30 picks ahead on sharp ADP like underdog should signal the fact that he is en route to a huge breakout. Yeah, and the, the Rashad Bateman case, and obviously uh, the case I'll get into with my guy, is valid. I mean, you mentioned the historical data of second-year wide receivers experiencing a breakout is extremely high. Yes, is there more risk associated with taking, you know, Bateman or Elijah Moore as opposed to, you know, some of the safe wide receivers like a Brandon Cooks in this range? Sure, because, you know, Brandon Cooks, his median range of outcome is going to be higher than both those guys. However, in fantasy football, we are trying to win our leagues. Rashad Bateman and, again, Elijah Moore, as I'm going to mention next, have top 12, top 10 overall wide receiver in their range of outcomes, given the opportunity presented and given the situations that both of them are at. So I love Rashad Bateman. You mentioned he's going fifth round on underdog, but realistically in your home leagues, given the fact that more casual uncertainty is going to arise with a guy like Rashad Bateman, you could see him slipping to the seventh, eighth round. And I mean, this is basically, you know, a T Higgins type of case all over again. Yeah, exactly. I've been doing a ton of sleeper mocks because I know where I'm going to be drafting from in my home league at the 11 spot. And I routinely get him at the 7-11. Uh, I don't know if that's necessarily going to happen in my home league draft, but at the very least I can get him at the six, two, if I need to draft him there. And I'm more than comfortable doing that considering he's my wide receiver 23. I have him higher than ADP, even though his ADP is already assuming that he might break out. I'm still higher on him than ADP, even at that sharp level. So, uh, Rashad Bateman, I think he's a phenomenal pick this year and Elijah Moore, who I, I just let you have, I could have easily talked yeah. about him as well. I mean, it's it's so funny to me. Again, wide receiver 32, 69th, nice overall ADP for Elijah Moore. But his rookie season was such an interesting development if you guys looked into it. So he entered the season, obviously, as you know, in the preseason with that quad strain that really limited him in the preseason. Suited up in week one, then suffered a week three concussion that limited his play in the early portion of the season. Obviously ended the season on IR with another quad injury. But in that stretch, we saw him being fully healthy, he was dominant. So we'll go through the first four games. He was dealing with those injuries, had the concussion, missed the game in that stretch. He was not good at all. 20 targets, 66 receiving yards with no touchdowns in that stretch, a 3.65 PPR point per game uh, pace in that stretch. However, once he recovered from those injuries post bye week, we saw what a healthy Elijah Moore can do down the stretch between week seven and 13. 
Elijah Moore wasn't only a good receiver. He wasn't only a good rookie. He was flat out dominant. He commanded 57 targets in that stretch, 8.1 targets per game, en route to 472 receiving yards, 67 per game, as well as six touchdowns in that stretch. If you guys are doing the math at home, 17.7 PPR points per game and a top 10 wide receiver in this stretch, despite what I would consider a compliment in inadequate quarterback play, obviously with the likes of, you know, Mike White and Joe Flacco and rookie or Zach Wilson in that stretch. The quarterback play was not great, and yet Elijah Moore was still be uh, being able to show a top 10 level wide receiver ceiling in that stretch. He's clearly a budding star talent entering a full healthy offseason and now is going into his second year. And Corey kind of mentioned, you know, the second year data from Sean Siegel, and I'll put up a couple tweets that I, I came across on a thread today, but basically 35.5% of second year players outperformed ADP by six or more spots in terms of positional ADP. If you're looking for the players that are more likely to outpace their ranking going into the season, second year receivers is your biggest bet. And, you know, some of the likes in the past few years, you know, 2021 T Higgins, 2018 Cooper Cup, 2018 Juju Smith-Schuster are key examples where you don't need to be the prime alpha target in your offense going to that season to still have that ascension. So a lot of people I know are going to watch and be like, well, Garrett Wilson was drafted the 10th overall. As the case was with T. Higgins, they had Jamar Chase. As the case was with Cooper Cup in 2018, they had Robert Woods. And obviously with 2018 Juju Smith-Schuster, you had probably the best wide receiver of my lifetime, Antonio Brown, playing on the outside. So for those of you citing target competition, it's really a moot point. If you are a talented sophomore wide receiver, you are going to take that jump. And if you needed any more convincing to draft the 22-year-old budding star, like I mentioned... Let's just take a look at his reception perception profile. You know, wide receiver got himself. Matt Harmon was extremely impressed with his profile. Again, this is covering the whole season, including that downstretch, not just week seven to 13. You guys can see on the screen, 75.2% win rate against man, 81st percentile, 81.4% win rate against zone, 76th percentile, and then a 73.3% win rate against press, 70th percentile. Again, Press was like the main concern of Elijah Moore going into the season, giving his stature, and he was still being able to beat it at a 70th percentile rate as a rookie wide receiver. And he just outlines here, if Zach Wilson is the quarterback that we think he can be, Elijah Moore's set to have a Tyler Lockett as maybe Tyler Lockett plus esque ascension in fantasy football. I am buying this ADP all day. I think when it's all said and done going into next season, this is going to be a player we're taking in the top 25 to 30 of fantasy drafts easily. Yeah, and uh, Garrett Wilson was a good prospect, probably even as good of a prospect as Elijah Moore, but we've already seen Elijah Moore do it in the NFL. Yes. Like you said, 75.2% success rate against man coverage. That was 0.1% lower than the success rate Jamar Chase posted last year. That was better than Allen Robinson, better than Michael Pittman Jr., better than Keenan Allen, Devontae Smith, Mike Evans, DK Metcalf. Like this dude is a legit stud. Just because he's small doesn't mean he ain't a number one wide receiver. I think he can be the number one in this offense. I think he's Agreed. better than Garrett Wilson right now, especially from a redraft perspective. Dynasty is a different conversation, but Elijah Moore, man, I, I love him. I, I have him rated as like a top four and a half round pick, and you can routinely get him in round six and seven. It's a no-brainer at that point. You're getting him as your maybe wide receiver three. If you're in a more fragile running back, they'll possibly your wide receiver four at times. That has legitimate top 15 overall period upside in 2022. So getting the access to that. And obviously again, if 
Zach Wilson takes that jump. I don't really think that's baked into his ADP right now. Everybody's kind of valuing Elijah Moore as if Zach Wilson is the quarterback we saw from last year. If Zach Wilson takes the jump that myself and you expect him to take, like this is a, a league winner staring us in the face. And this is a guy that in February next year, we're going to look back at ADP and be like, how was this guy going in the sixth round in the underdog? And probably even lower in home leagues because people are going to say, oh, Jets, he's an eighth round pick. Oh, and we're going to be looking back on it from our mansions because both Zach Wilson and Elijah Moore are my are like my highest owned quarterback and my third highest owned wide receiver yep. on underdog. So these dudes might win us best ball mania three just based on how much exposure I have to both of these guys. So speaking of Zach Wilson, we can just transition right into him, a.k.a. Paul Finch from American Pie, shit break, <laughs> whatever you want to call him. He, he, he bangs moms and he throws bombs. So quarterback 23, 172.8 overall. Th this is a guy going if you're in a super flex league, especially this is a quarterback three that you're paying for, for Zach Wilson, who has QB one upside. It's hard to slice Zach Wilson's rookie season as anything, but probably bad, but there was some good to take away from it. He showed us why he was the number two pick in the draft in spurts. What, just like we saw, you know, from rookie year, Josh Allen and rookie year, Lamar Jackson, guys that weren't consistent, weren't great, but they showed us flashes. He had a comeback win against the eventual number one seed, Tennessee Titans in the AFC. He had a number of wow throws and kept competitive against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers that went down to the wire. Top five in deep accuracy, according to play, player profiler. Top five in tight window throws last year. The talent was evident with Zach Wilson. He didn't have a lot of help. Elijah Moore's great stretch of games happened when he was hurt. Uh, Corey Davis dealt with a bunch of injuries at the end of the season. His starting running back, Michael Carter was off the field. Uh, Elijah Moore was shut down with a quad injury. There, there was no help for Zach Wilson, especially at the end of the season. And on top of all that, Makai Becton played 48 snaps last year. So the Jets gave Zach Wilson a chance to succeed. They had Garrett Wilson at number 10 overall, who was a good prospect, like I said, to go along with a second year Elijah Moore, who we think is a huge breakout candidate, a solid number three wide receiver in Corey Davis. They add two capable tight ends with Tyler Conklin and CJ Uzama. They had an offensive guard in Lakin Tomlinson. Like I said, Makai Becton played 48 snaps last year. He should be back on the field. And they add the best running back in the NFL draft in Brees Hall. Wilson has the arm talent, clearly has the charisma and the confidence and the talent around him to ascend to one of the league's best quarterbacks. I, I don't say that lightly. He has the ability to do what Joe Burrow did last year. He has the ability to do what Justin Herbert did his rookie season in last year. He has the ability to do what Josh Allen did in recent years. Plus, from a fantasy perspective, you have a guy that had a 60-yard rushing touchdown last year and 10 rushing touchdowns his final year at BYU. He can give you Ryan Tannehill-like rushing production. He's not going to be you know, a Konami code quarterback, but he can give you something from that avenue as well. So when it comes to like super flex puppy drafts and, you know, if you guys play in a super flex home league, this is a dude that I think is a phenomenal pick. And if you're going to go late round quarterback and you want to pair Zach Wilson and Kirk cousins together, get your safety quarterback with Kirk cousins, get your breakout candidate with Zach Wilson. I think that's a more than fine strategy. If you don't want to spend an early pick on a QB. Yeah. I mean, it's easy to me. We, we try to, you know, spot potential quarterbacks that can break through every year. And we're very accurate at predicting quarterback success. You know, our top 12s year in and year out are relatively, you know, pretty predictable in terms of how players are going to finish. However, this year, the biggest, you know, outliers in terms of the sample are those second year quarterbacks. Obviously, you know, Trey Lance, everybody is hyped on, but you can make the case for Zach Wilson to ascend. You can make the case for Justin Fields to ascend. You can make the case for Trevor Lawrence to ascend, given their current ADPs going, as you mentioned, you know, back end teens in terms of their quarterback positioning. Like they they are easily back-end quarterback two valuations in terms of where they are on underdog. Not to mention, as 
we've kind of outlined the home league bias is always going to exist where someone's going to look at Zach Wilson. They're going to say, oh, it's the Jets. Oh, he played bad last year. Oh, I don't want him. And they're going to take like Ryan Tannehill. They're going to take like, you know, um, Matt, Matt Jones, Matt Ryan over him. And at that point, it's just a mistake because ultimately here we are trying to win our leagues. Yes, Zach Wilson was terrible as a rookie, but if Zach Wilson hits the ceiling that we think is in his range of outcomes easily, given the circumstance, given the arm talent, given the potential rise we should see from this Jets offense, he's going to be a top 15, top 12 quarterback. And getting that at current ADP, absolutely a no-brainer. Again, we are bullish on Zach Wilson. Obviously, there's going to be people out there that don't understand his talent, but let it be. I'll get all the value I can now. Yeah, exactly. And when Danny says we are good at predicting quarterbacks, he means ADP. Because last year, the ADP was very predictive of the final quarterback rankings. The top 12 quarterbacks in points per game last year were all drafted in the top 15 quarterbacks of ADP. Kirk Cousins was the lowest drafted quarterback that finished as a QB1 last year. We're not getting the days of 2017 and 2018 where you can get Patrick Mahomes with your final round pick. You can get Lamar Lamar Jackson Jackson and Dak Prescott in the 10th, 11th, 12th round when they're Konami code upside quarterbacks. If that was the case, Trey Lance would be like the QB 19 and ADP right now, and he's not. Everybody knows he has rushing upside, so he's going where he should be going, basically. So um, if you want upside at the quarterback position, look no further than the second-year guys because other than them, realistically, there probably isn't any upside at the quarterback position outside of the guys being drafted as if they have upside. Yeah, and you talk about it. Speaking of uh, second-year players, I mean, this whole video should just be called, you know, buy all the second-year young studs because that's kind of what we're doing here. All these players that we're mentioning are going into their second year, but as we've kind of outlined, that is the best upside spot targeting second-year players while the public eye, the public uncertainty is still at hand with a lot of these guys. And that is the exact case with Amon or St. Brown. Currently going off the board, wide receiver 29, 57.5 overall on underdog fantasy ADP. And in fantasy football, our jobs are, as I mentioned, to spot young players that showed good talent in year one with the opportunity to grow into their role and the offense going into year two. And that is the exact case for Amon or St. Brown. We saw a 22-year-old wide receiver post ludicrous totals down the stretch. Over 10 targets in each of the last six games, five touchdowns, and over 25 PPR points per game down the stretch. Obviously, the context is there. We get it. The Lions were without TJ Hawkinson. The Lions were without DeAndre Swift down that stretch. And now added Jamison Williams in the draft to this offense. But I feel like people are kind of just overlooking the fact that we just saw a rookie wide receiver command a Cooper Cup-like volume load. I don't care the circumstances. Yes, the target competition was bad. However, Amandre St. Brown still had to show the talent to absorb that opportunity, and we cannot scoff on the volume that he was able to command. Again, was not given, commanded. Amandre St. Brown, people are so quick to take targets away from him. Oh, he can't sustain what he did last year. He can't sustain what he did last year. Talking his stretch, again, as I mentioned, to circumstance and critiquing the fourth-round draft capital that we saw from him going into the rookie year. But I don't care if he went in the fourth round last year. He was a second-round talent on our boards. Yes, he fell to the fourth round where hit rates will decline, as we've talked about in the past. But they declined going into the rookie years. Amonar St. Brown, as a rookie, negated all of that concern of him being a bad player and our good friend a dynasty i am over on twitter you guys can give him a follow actually put out his full comps in terms of where he ranks from an analytical standpoint as a rookie year producer and some of these comps are downright league winners michael thomas stefan diggs cooper cup debo samuel marcus colston dwayne bow 
Terry McLaurin, Brandon Ayuk. The list here is not only encouraging, but downright intriguing. Like Amon or St. Brown's player comp list is all guys that have dominated the top two rounds, three rounds of ADP in the past for the last 10 years for the most part. Everything we've seen from Lions camp has not only shown that they acknowledge Armand or St. Brown's com- contribution down the stretch last year, but the fact that they view him as an integral part of the offense. You guys can see a couple tw- or a couple quotes on the screen, but Dan Campbell following last season on Amon or St. Brown, he's a steady, reliable player. It's one thing to do it once and you feel a bit better after twice, but when you start stacking them up like he has, that's a consistent player. That's a productive, consistent player. Those players are hard to find. And recently, Lions beat reporter Benjamin Raven, our good friend Jacob Sanderson, tweeted this out. But basically, they want to run that thing through St. Brown. If Dan Campbell could create a wide receiver in the lab, it would be a monitor St. Brown. I would be shocked if he if he sees fewer than six targets in a game. This has all the recipe to be looking at a 23-year-old Robert Woods 2.0 carrying a wide receiver 29 price tag. Again, if your concern is still fourth round draft capital, get with the times. This guy is going to be a fantasy football stud this year. Has all the makings to, I mean, we talk about who could be the next Cooper Cup. Obviously, you know, it's tough to project a guy, you know, carrying that level of upside that Cooper Cup had last year. But we're looking at who could be the next Cooper Cup in terms of role, in terms of offensive situation, in terms of the type of volume that they command. I wouldn't be shocked if Amon or St. Brown is a top 12 wide receiver this year. Yeah, like, I mean, we saw from second year Michael Thomas before he had his league winning season in 2019. He took a big step forward. We saw it from, you know, Adam Thielen once he established himself in the NFL. Amon or St. Brown has that like slot receiver, high target workload. And realistically, Jameson Williams tore his ACL in mid-January, right? Like it was mid-January. He's not going to be back on the field at least to start the season. So even if you don't believe in Amonra for the length of the season, at the very least, he should get off to a great start to start the year. He already has chemistry with the quarterback. He's going to be playing a full-time role, which he was not doing for most of last year. And once he's back on the field uh, playing with Jared Goff, Jared Goff loves his slot receivers. We've known this for a long time. Amonra St. Brown reminds me so much of Brandon Ayuk last year. The only difference is uh, Brandon Ayuk was like a fourth-round pick. Amonra St. Brown, sixth, seventh round is where you're getting him. Yeah, and the difference too is that like Debo Samuel proved this past year that he is an alpha wide receiver. George Kittle is one of the best tight ends in the league. There is a way more ambiguous situation with Detroit where Amon or St. Brown could be their wide receiver one. The situation it kind of reminds me of, I mean, oddly enough, is the fact that Jared Goff was the quarterback in that situation. But I talked about some of the previous sophomore breakouts that didn't have to be the number one weapon on their team. 2018 Cooper Cup. Like if, if Amon or St. Brown has that 2018 Cooper Cup like year, obviously it's going to be a worse team. So you can't expect, you know, top 10 over, overall numbers like Cooper Cup did, but it's still in the range of outcomes where this guy is getting eight, nine targets a game, eight to 10 touchdowns, slot roll, valuable uh, receptions. Like this guy is a stud. Yeah. And uh, 2018 Rams had Cooks and Woods. They didn't just yeah. have Woods. They had two players that were out producing um, you know, the guys that are going to be on the Lions this year. So, uh, yeah, we, we got a team that throws the ball a lot more than what the, the 49ers threw the ball last year. So he, he's just like this year's Brandon Ayuk for me, except he's on a more pass-heavy offense with a lot less target competition. Yep, and at sixth-round ADP, that's such an easy buy. I mean, wide receiver 29 current price. I I thought I would be lower on Amonra going to the year because I thought the consensus would have him in the top 20. 
But wide receiver 29, all of the risk is baked into that ADP already to the point where I'm smashing that as my wide receiver three, wide receiver four any day of the week. Yeah, and, and routinely, if you go like hero RB stuff or uh, things that we usually build out, he's like the wide receiver five on my team half the time that I end up getting him. So uh, yeah, those are our breakout candidates. Like Danny said, all second year guys on this list. So we might as well just call this video like must draft second year breakout candidates or something like that. But if you did enjoy this video, as always, hit the like button. We really appreciate it. It really helps us grow in the algorithm. So I uh, cannot thank you enough for doing that. Comment any of your thoughts down below as well. Who's your biggest breakout candidate this year? Subscribe to the channel if you are new as well. We're looking to get to as many subscribers as possible by the start of the season. So if you enjoyed the content that you heard here, check out some of our other videos. Hit the subscribe button. It is totally free. It doesn't cost you anything. And we really appreciate it. And again, if you want to support us in any way, patreon.com forward slash fantasy stock exchange and um, check out underdog fantasy to put some of this advice into action as well. Promo code FSE will get you both our dynasty and our redraft rankings for the season and you'll get 100 percent back on whatever you put in from them as a thank you for using our code so uh with that being said peace out and we'll talk to you soon